You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is Kurt Sumner, host of NSPS Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us again today. Today is the first of two segments we're going to do related to the upcoming NSPS officer elections, which will begin right around the end of this month. I uh, don't remember the exact day. Uh, it's going to be online again, as we did last year. So uh, we'll be sending out information uh, about our candidates and contact to uh, get to the balloting company through the, through the web and hope that everybody will participate this year and, and make our elections uh have more people involved than perhaps in the past. One of the things we're really excited about this particular year is for the first time in my memory, and I've been around NSPS for close to 30 years, I guess, we have four candidates for our vice president's office. For those of you who are listening and don't know how our our officerships work, we have our treasurer and secretary are elected for two-year terms, and our vice president is elected for a one-year term, as is our president-elect, and then once one is president, they go to past president, obviously. We do have a, an initiative that, I don't remember if this is going to be on the ballot, I think we're going to end up putting it on the ballot uh, with my latest conversations that would change that scenario to where the vice president would automatically go to president-elect and then to president and then to past president, obviously. Um, part of the reason that we thought, talked about that was it w- it's good to have people who have uh, some, some longevity and some experience uh, going through. and. Sometimes if you are changing officers every year, some of that continuity gets lost. And so that's why this this bylaw initiative is not something that the board is going to vote on. It's something the members are going to vote on. But uh, I think it makes some sense. And, of course, we'll talk to our two guests today today about that to get their perspectives on that, too. So this year with four candidates for vice president, we're going to do two separate sets of interviews today. I'm interviewing two of our candidates, and then uh, two weeks from now, I'll be interviewing the other two candidates. So with all that said, uh, I welcome to the show today Lisa Van Horn, who is a professional land surveyor in Wisconsin and has actually been on the show with me before. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. And I have Henry Kulam, who is a registered professional land surveyor in Texas and been very active in the Texas Society. Um, I hate playing golf with Henry because he hits the ball a mile, and it takes me four shots to get to where his drive is usually. So, And that was even when I could even hit a golf ball. So anyway, but Henry Henry is, is also with us today, and we're going to talk about some of the issues NSPS is facing and, and their perspectives about that. So, Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. That's one of the things that, that un, unlike perhaps uh, elections in other areas, whether it be maybe even local politics, but state politics and certainly national politics, um, we actually can have candidates who respect and like each other. Isn't that a novel idea, guys? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and that's one of the things that I, that has been so rewarding for me over the years in being involved in in NSPS is just the absolute quality of the people who who come into our leadership at whatever level, whether it's committee chairs or people who are on the board or or officers, whatever the case may be, just extraordinarily uh, good people, and you know that to me. My my defini- definition of good people are are people who care about what they're doing and care about other people and and I found that to be true pretty much up and down the line in all my years in in NSPS. So because of that, we don't have any any candidates who won't do a good job. That's for sure. Um, but I'm just so pleased that we have four people this year that are interested in our vice presidential uh, spot because I think it's important for our membership at large, not to think we've become a uh, a clique, so to speak, and we, we just kind of choose our own folks. We, the, the nomination process is open. It's not just by committee, but other people can be uh, nominated as well. So with that, um, I'll just start with Henry. Maybe you can tell folks a bit about, about Henry and what you've been doing over the years. Just sort of an introduction. Okay, sure. Um, as you mentioned, you know, I've, I've been uh, in my professional business and uh, professional life, been in San Antonio, uh, Texas, all of those years. Uh, got involved in the surveying profession uh, right during my high school years because I took a lot of uh, drafting courses and was actually uh, hired because of, of some of the drafting courses I'd taken during my high school years by a local land surveying company. Uh, I worked part-time as a senior in high school with that company and then uh, uh, went full-time after high school and attended uh, business schools in the evenings where I continued to, to take drafting courses in uh, both architectural drafting and in topographic uh, drafting. Um, uh, mentioned uh, also in my resume that uh, I also took broadcasting courses. So in my early years, I was working as a disc jockey in the, in the evenings and as, uh, for a land survey company during the day. And uh, fortunately, after a year or two of doing that, land surveying prevailed, and uh, I, I began uh, working in that profession and stuck with it to this day. Uh, became uh, licensed in 1981 and started my private practice in 1982 in San Antonio. Uh, been, uh, as you mentioned, very involved with the Texas Society of Professional Surveyors, where I served as the state president in 2005. Uh, probably the most exciting thing uh, new that I do these days is I've recently been appointed as an adjunct professor for Texas A&M Corpus Christi, where, where I teach the Field Camp 2 surveying course to all the graduating seniors of the geomatics program. I've actually been involved in that uh, process for about 14 years as an assistant and was appointed adjunct professor uh, about a year and a half ago. And that course is actually a a full 40-hour week of hands-on instruction in the field that all the students uh, attend, and it's a mandatory course as part of their curriculum for graduation. Is that is that course, Henry, similar to the one I know uh, our our good buddy Jerry Goodson used to do something like that? 
is it similar to that or is it different? Uh, from Jerry's uh, uh, time, uh, we used to have a, a, a basic and advanced surveying course in Texas that was very popular uh, during the pre-degree requirement because it, it was a course as a, as a paraprofessional or, or apprentice, a surveying uh, person could take the basic course to get your uh, uh, early uh, knowledge of, of field procedures and so forth that contributed to your work. And then as you became uh, ready to, to proceed forward in the profession and obtain licensure, you would take the advanced short course which was also a week-long course uh, that would give you uh, a little more uh, uh, higher-level education uh, that that lent itself more to preparing for the examination. This particular course is a little different than those two courses, and, it, and it's in some respects replaced one of them because uh, this is uh, directly administered by the university system, and it it's actually designed to give the students a hands-on uh, experience of preparing a boundary survey in the real world. Uh, so it's going to take all the knowledge that they've learned from their lectures and, and course study, and actually we try to apply it to a real-life scenario of performing a boundary survey for a client. So it includes... Uh, you know, communications with the client. It includes research of the property, uh, uh, preparing working drawings, uh, doing field work recovery, uh, different types of data collection and survey tools that we use as professionals to to collect the data in the field. Uh, it gets into the analyzation of the boundary survey and the actual production of deliverables such as a plat legal descriptions, and survey report. That's pretty extensive. Or is, is there still a, a, maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but I know that you have the state land surveyor uh, license, and that's a little different. And is there a course that people do for that too, or is that just done based on experience? Uh, there are some uh, TSPS continuing education courses that uh, that are utilized by both registered professional land surveyors and li- licensed state land surveyors that have more to do with recovery and retracement of uh, original survey boundaries, uh, state land, unsurveyed public school land, as it's called here in Texas. So there are some continuing education courses that uh, licensed state land surveyors take as prep for for their uh, separate license that's required to uh, uh, become a LSLS. Right. I, and we're, we're almost at the end of the first break, so we'll come back and learn all about uh, Lisa when when we get back, and including her uh, her, hi- her reputation as a history buff, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but I was going to ask you in the last 30 seconds here, when you were a disc jockey, did you do any of those name that tune things where people had to call in and say what song was playing? Never did that. Never did that. <laughs> <laughs> we we did that as kids when I was growing up at the local radio station, and one uh, a carload passed to the local drive-ins. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys did that or not, but that was always a, a fun thing to do and try to be the first one to call in and and name name that tune, so to speak. 
So I would have to would... label my my disc jockey days. I worked for a very conservative radio station. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Lisa. Yeah, back in those days, Henry, we dialed the number for the station and hold down the last number till the song started playing and then release it so we could be the first one. <laughs> yeah. We were right across the hall from the hospital. So I used to, you know, do my laid back work and then I'd watch the top forty guys do their crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Probably with envy. <laughs> mm, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was always really good at guessing those songs on the first note, so I'd have to lie every day and tell them a different one of my friends' names so we could all win. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. This is Skip Coriel host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our show today. We're just talking with Henry about a lot of the things that he's been doing throughout his career, and and now we want to hear from Lisa. And I know Lisa, you've got uh, a lot of different irons in the fire. And of course, I made mention of the all of the work you do in finding historical artifacts with surveying and uh, you've you've run across some really interesting stuff so some somewhere in in the discussion that maybe you can talk about that a little bit too i sure can um well i'm from green bay wisconsin and i am from a company where it is a a true mom and pop uh, organization and my husband and i both uh, are land surveyors and run a business um i started land surveying. i got my license in 1997 and in 2000 after working for a number of years with the counties, I started my own business, and then after that, I was still a part-time county surveyor. So for 
six years while we ran our own business in an adjoining county to ours. I served as the Wisconsin State President in 2007. I, like Henry, uh, have done a little bit of adjunct teaching. I uh, was a substitute teacher at our technical college here and filling in for when the instructors had to go on different things or were off for any reasons. Um, been involved with our state program quite a bit. I've been on our board on and off since, I think, 1994. I've been a speaker at our conferences quite a bit, especially when I was working as our president. We came up with a new um, way of kind of handling different things. To, we went and looked at our, took a good look at ourselves as land surveyors, and we went through and we did a review of, um, pulled some random maps from different counties that were on record and took a look at them to see how we were doing as a land surveyor as a profession to see if we were following all of our minimum standards. And that was kind of an eye-opening experience for us in a whole to see, you know, some of the really fantastic maps that were coming in and some of the maps that maybe weren't as good as what everybody thought they were going to be. So we were doing a lot of different uh, presentations on that and have still been ongoing with that as far as trying to improve our profession by taking a good look at our own selves. Um, and I will be a speaker again at our conference this year. I've also um, been involved with writing test questions for our state organization or for our state portion of the licensing exam. And then uh, the last two years I've been the PR chair for uh, NSPS and been doing a lot of different work with that as far as when we got involved with uh, the National Guidance Counselors Convention in New Orleans, we made up a new pamphlet to go to that to let people know about what we were doing. And a lot of that was based on the fact that we had a PR contest this year. And as part of that PR contest, Texas, where Henry is from, and um, Minnesota had two submissions that were aimed at guidance counselors. And both of them did an excellent job on you know, targeting the younger students coming up into the profession. And we, NSPS decided to take that uh, and build on to that and go to the National Guidance Counselors Conference where we were talking to 3,000 different people. Both uh, states had done an excellent job with, you know, especially Texas with putting on a website and, and places for information to go to. So we kind of worked on that a little bit and trying to broaden that. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the PR uh, committee is bring more information in for all of the states to use. You know, it's kind of interesting this this year, We've, we've already seen, as a result of that work you guys did, more states, state societies coming in and, and signing up to go to their, uh, to their state guidance counselors conferences, which I think is, is a great thing uh, to have come from that initial effort that you guys put together uh, because it, we need it at all levels, obviously. So I, I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, and, you know, and the wonderful thing about that is when we had the PR contest, we had, I think, nine or 11 different projects that were submitted, and a couple of them were a little bit similar, like uh, Minnesota's and Texas's, but if you haven't gone out onto the website and seen those different projects that were there, there's some really great ideas of how to get the land surveyor out into the, out into the public's eye and see different things. So it's not always, a lot of times it's not that people don't want to do the work and get out there, it's just how do we get started. And that's what we're trying to do with this initiative is give everybody ideas and some of the tools in order to go and do that on a little easier, um, instead of having to reinvent the whole wheel to get out yeah, there. That one, I, those was it North Dakota that did the thing in the shopping center? I thought that was a pretty cool one. Yeah, I think it was North Dakota did that, and then we had somebody that was uh, set up at a, um, 
rendezvous type of a situation where they were doing the land surveying thing and, you know, doing exercises with the students. We had Boy Scout badges. We had just a, a whole lot of different, you know, different projects out there. So I would encourage anybody who hasn't taken a look at that PR section on the website to go out there and see that to see the different ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would agree with that. And you're right about the that being the impetus for these new brochures that we've been been doing. And those, those have become really popular, too. So, you know, that whole effort that kind of got kicked off last year for, for PR, um, and thank goodness that we, we were able to do that because how long, I, you and Henry both know, how long have we talked about we need to do these kind of things, and we finally got off the dime and started getting something done, which I'm, I'm so proud of, of being yeah. able to get started. And we're going to be in uh, Colorado next year. Denver, Colorado is the next national convention. So, And we had such a good success at it last year that we'll be attending the new the one in Colorado this, this fall. And we've been trying to do that on a, uh, effective, a cost-effective method as well. Um, we used Louisiana, the last time it was in New Orleans, and we had three Louisiana surveyors that volunteered their time. And Colorado is already looking at getting uh, individuals there to work the booth for us. Uh, come this next summer in Colorado. So, you know, being a, a a husband and wife team, is it easier to accept uh, friendly advice from the other professional in your office if it's your spouse than if it's not? I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always teased my husband that uh, I collect antique surveying things. I started with him. Because so, uh, my husband and I were both very much into the collecting of the antiques and in, involved, like you had mentioned before, with the historical end of things. He's more into the instruments and the hard, uh, hard, you know, tools that we use, and I collect the ads. And that's what you and I had done a show up about one time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, those are pretty interesting to me to to look back. And as a matter of fact, uh, Trish here in, in the office uh, was just up in New England this weekend and. She was talking about going and seeing a bunch of things and and finding out some of the you know Thoreau and people like that actually doing surveying <laughs> and uh, so it's it's I think it's interesting that those kind of things can get people interested in in the profession and I know some of the things you guys have been able to find are just fantastic I don't even know how you go about finding that stuff but it's really interesting yeah I have about three hundred ads that feature surveyors in them, ads or uh, magazine covers and different things like that. So it's, it's an interesting and fun fun thing to do. And then Wisconsin just recently um, purchased the last of the, of course, everybody knows that the Abe Lincoln National Museum went out of business, and um, we Wisconsin purchased the last of their artifacts that they had left, and we're in the process of going through that inventory and uh, determining everything that we have and, We've got too much of some of the items that uh, we're going to have to look at how to distribute, and that may be something that you'll be hearing a little bit more about at NSPS in the future is some of those excess items that we'll be having. I'd been to that to the museum a couple of times, and just thinking about everything that was there, not only what was on display, but everything that wasn't on display at the time, that must be quite a challenge to be able to store all that stuff. Yes. And even to go pick it up, we went down with a truck and a trailer and were not able to get everything into the truck and trailer. And there's actually two dividing engines left down there that if anybody's interested in a dividing engine, if they want to run over to uh, Philo, Illinois, they can go and pick them up. You might want to tell the audience what that is. Uh, the dividing engines? Yeah. It, well, it, 
it was it's a very large, very heavy piece of equipment that was used. There's one linear one and one circular, and they were used to make the graduations on the verniers of the transits and the compasses. So, but so, it's, you don't you don't go there and just pick it up and put it in a truck easily. It's a forklift <laughs> moving type of an instrument. Or oh my goodness! Machine. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Well, and thanks for sharing all that. Um, I, and feel free to share anything else you want. We have a, uh, two or three more minutes left in this segment. So is there anything else you want to share before we get into talking about NSPS in particular? I, people may be thinking, well, why are we doing this the way we're doing it? And the reason we're doing it the way we're doing it is I really want our p- people who are out there and sometimes look at a state society or NSPS as just not really thinking about it being real people. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> I think this is fantastic that you're having everybody on that they get to talk to different people because it's hard to make that decision from a paragraph that's written. So I believe that this gives people a lot of real nice opportunity to get to know both Henry, myself, Carl, and Mark to be able to make a more educated decision on when they're taking making that ballot. Right. And we'll all wish... Uh, Carl well he Carl was going to be on the show today but uh, he, he had a, a medical situation he had to deal with so we'll, we'll wish him well and see him on the show in a couple of weeks Lisa I'd like, I'd like to take you know this opportunity uh, Kurt to just acknowledge the fact when I mean, you were talking a lot with uh, uh, Lisa about public relations that, that she's done a tremendous job over the last several years with with that committee for NSPS, and it's really starting to, I think, show in the state societies, you know, it's a, it's I see it as being a vehicle for the state societies to become involved with NSPS, you know, and, and, the, and the public relations award that, that she created, I think, is a, a good method of doing that. Yeah, I, I agree that, it's it's been such an, like I said earlier it's been such an important element for us and it's just always seemed to be difficult to for whatever the reasons may be to sort of get it off the ground and now that it, that it has begun I'm seeing just lots of enthusiasm from people and I hope you guys are too that they they now want to be a part of it and and they feel like I think part of it might be maybe Lisa you can speak to this in our last. 30 seconds here or we can come back with that but I think just providing people with a platform of something to work with has been helpful rather than just say go off and do this oh I think absolutely because you look at what like I said what Texas had done with Texas and Minnesota with the guidance council is is where the idea came from for us to attend the national conference you know and it's to have the idea and to be able to work and expound on those things is just a wonderful thing instead of always having to, you know, come up with your own ideas. A lot Absolutely. of times somebody has a fantastic when, idea, just can't. When, sorry, Lisa, we need not. to go to break. So okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Quick stakes. 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. As we were going to break, Lisa, you were following up on the on the PR thing, and I, I didn't want to cut you off on that. So if you have something else you want to add there, that's fine. And then we can. There's some questions we had sent to the candidates that I want to pose to the three, uh, the two of you, and get your your thoughts. Well, I think I kind of covered everything that we needed to. You know, I, again, I do encourage people to go out there and look at what the states have done and to um, submit this year to the PR contest of any different types of projects you've done because it really is a stimulus for everybody across the country to see what different things are, are being done. Absolutely. And there's so many great ideas out there that we can all learn from so that we can vary our approach from time to time. One of the things that we did going into this election that I don't think we've ever actually done in the past um, was we drafted three questions that we asked to each of our candidates to get their perspective uh, with issues related to NSPS. So I'd like to get your your respective perspectives on on those questions and share those with the audience and. So if people aren't hearing us, then they will be able to read your written responses. Um, that'll be up on the website here soon. So, uh, but I, I'd like for you to share that with people in your own in your own words, if you would. And, and that first question, and I don't know, we can flip a coin maybe to see who goes first here. But um, the first question: What's your perspective on the current status of NSPS as the national representative for the surveying profession overall? So, um, Lisa, how about you start out? That would be fine. Um, well, I think NSPS does an excellent job with our government affairs. And if, there's, if, if the only thing you get from NSPS from your dues is what they do for the government affairs, you're getting well worth your money's worth even on that. Um, unfortunately, when we are going to Capitol Hill, we're not getting all the states represented, and we'd really like to see that. So the states that aren't participating they really should try and send at least one of their members onto Capitol Hill Day because that is a very, very wonderful thing that we do, and it really brings surveying up to the uh, forefront of what we're doing. And with the going with the 100% membership that we've uh, program that we've done, or the membership program that we've done, bringing some states in with all of their members being NSPS members, you know, now we're up there talking and we're speaking with a cloud of 17,000 people plus 
versus, you know, the few members that we had previously working on it. So I think, you know, the main thing that we do an excellent job of is the NSPS Government Affairs. John Matanich had done that for years, and now he's uh, moved into retirement. Now we've got Pat Smith is heading that up as our committee chair and doing an excellent job with that. So um, if there's one thing that the current NSPS does, I'd say that's the best and most fantastic thing that we do do. Henry? Yeah, definitely. The uh, I think one of the things that I like to reflect back on is the rapid growth we've had in our membership, and I think uh, that's definitely going to be beneficial to the national organization uh, uh, across the board. Not, uh, you know, obviously on the legislative uh, arena, in the legislative arena, it will be. But you know, I, uh, we had a, a state representative speak to our convention as our keynote speaker. And he he made a statement that was impressive to me. He talked about you know the the effect of the size of an organization when it comes to lobbying, and of course immediately you go to the large groups, the real estate uh, profession, the attorneys, you know, and and civil engineers that have these much bigger organizations. But he made a statement about our state organization being known on on the forefront of, of lobbying efforts, and and I think what happens that we don't realize as professional surveyors is those larger organizations with their numbers, those numbers tend to drop off pretty quick, and so even though as a, a state professional organization we have between twenty five hundred and three thousand members, that's still a pretty good-sized organization uh, uh, as far as representation when it comes to going forward and and speaking to a legislator. So I think the 17,000 number that Lisa mentioned is probably bigger than we realize at a national level, and I think that that's going to be uh, very beneficial. I think one of the things uh, uh, when you talk about the status of the, of the organization that we need to consider is, is member services. So we have these 17,000 members now, and we, we as leaders of NSPS need to be cognizant of the fact that we need to provide a service back to those members. We need to have contact with those members. We need to have an open line of communications uh, with those members that needs to grow. So, uh, you know, the, the news and views is a great tool. Uh, uh, governmental affairs, uh, as Lisa mentioned, is a, is a great benefit. But we're going to have to continue to find avenues to reach those local members and, you know, be sure that they hear from us and they know that, you know, this is what your national organization is doing for you, whether it be, uh, you know, developing a semi-annual meeting that, you know, can be taken to uh, various regions so you can get face-to-face uh, time with these members or whether it be through a digital communication. Yeah, I agree with that. And, Lisa, following up on that, um, one of the things I jotted down when you were both talking was uh, one of the big challenges is getting the individual member among those 17,000 to to actually participate in whether it's lobby day or whether it's actually just doing things back home. Um, and that's that's a really big challenge. And I'm just curious about what y'all's thoughts are on or anything that comes to mind that that says 
maybe this will help. And I know what Henry just mentioned I think can be helpful. I was just curious about that because it is a, it's a, it's a hard nut to crack to figure out exactly how to get that participation. And get, and maybe enthusiasm is a better word than I'm looking for. And I think a lot of people have the uh, misconception that you have to be a director or a board in order to serve on the committees for NSPS, and that's not true. We'd love to have anybody serve on any of the committees and help out. You know, the, or the 17,000-plus organization, and it shouldn't be the 60 people that are actually going to the meeting that are doing all of the work. We'll be a much better organization if more people do get involved. So, if you, you know, you may not be real big on the government affairs, but you might be real big on doing a lot of FEMA work. Well, your import would be fantastic on that committee, you know, and we encourage anybody to get involved because the only way you're going to get anything done is to be involved. What What are y'all's thoughts? And uh, Henry, we're just going back and forth. I'm, I'm interested in y'all's thoughts about our relationships with other organizations. Um, I, you know, we have some. We have some MOUs with people, and there's just so many people out there that are kind of related in our field these days. I'm just curious about y'all's thoughts on what is there things we can do better. I mean, obviously, there's things we can do. I'm just curious about y'all's thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that I think that we definitely need to always be aware of, of those opportunities uh, to to liaison with other organizations. We have in Texas multiple liaison committees that uh, some of them are active, more active than others, but they're really in place. I think in case they're needed in some instances, if there is an issue. Uh, uh, Say, say similar to the recent issue that we dealt with the, with the national real estate uh, uh, statement that we were trying to get the, the national realtors to, to address about uh, performing surveying services and so forth. So I, I think having those liaisons uh, at least in, in the committee structure uh, is important. Um, backing up just one step, I wanted to mention, you know, the the reality of the 17,000 member participation level is probably a little uh, vague. It, you know, we've got to be realistic in the fact, you know, that that, that we are going to probably see representatives from states and we are probably going to be see some members from states. But the, the, the path to communication back to the 17,000 is going to be through those 60 or 80 people that are active. So, you know, the state directors need to be sure that their uh, uh, flow of information from to and from NSPS is very active. And so they've got to go back to each of their states where they may have 300 or 400 or 500 NSPS members and be sure that NSPS uh, business is communicated back to those members at the state level. Uh, if, if we're able, you know, I, I was looking at next year where, where NSPS uh, in the fall will be meeting with TSPS in Frisco, which is right outside of Dallas, so, you know, very close to the DFW airport. I think, I think on when we look at structure and placement of those national meetings, uh, we need to probably look at location in that respect because obviously it's easier, easier to fly into a hub area, a major airport hub, and saves on travel and uh, cost and time, and I think you'll, you, we probably will build more participation 
uh, you know, by by having those locations being central and drawing from as many states as possible for those type of meetings, and maybe we'll see that participation number increase above the 60 or 80. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I would agree. Lisa, we've got a minute or so, a couple minutes, and then I'll come back to you right after the break, but I don't know if you want to add anything before we go. Well, I think what Henry is saying is absolutely true. We won't never have the 17,000, just like any one of our state organizations. You know, there's people that are there and paying their dues and are supportive of us, but there's always your core workers that are doing the things. Um, But one of the things that I think we've been lacking lately with getting the word out to places is we used to, in the old structure, we had um, the area directors that came around and did the um, presentations and talking to the different states. And we've been encouraging lately for all the states to bring a, a neighboring uh, director over to their state in order to talk to different people, and because they, if Henry's a representative from Texas, he may be very busy during their state conference because it is their state conference to bring in an adjoining state in order to do that job for them. I know as our director from Wisconsin, I travel to, I try and travel to all of our nine chapters and tell them about NSPS just to keep them informed. Yeah, that makes great sense, and maybe we can pick up on that just a little bit more when we come back before we get to the last questions. So let's go to that last break. We'll be back shortly. Twelve minutes sure does go by fast. Yeah, it does. The hour's going by fast. Yeah, it always does. Yeah, it does. Anytime people are going to be on the show, they're like, oh, how can we last for an hour? And I'm like, you you won't believe how fast it goes. Uh, speaking of that, Chris, uh, did you hear back, Kurt, from Chris Cleary or, or Chris from on the forty-five ninetieth? Did I hear back? Yeah, you had sent him an email. Did you set something up with him to uh, uh, participate in the show? Oh yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I just—I'm sorry—I I wasn't catching the name for a moment. I just sent him another message um, last week, I think it was, and he's still going to try to find a find a time to get up with me. Okay. I think it'd be a great. Uh, a great show. Yeah, he's a county surveyor on top of things, so he's been a little, and he's the largest county in the state. Which is, that county's probably bigger than a few of the states. (laughs) Not
hear the commercials today. Usually I can hear them. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. Quick Stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to break, we were talking about uh, a number of things, and Lisa, um, actually, you both had mentioned uh, this whole idea of, um, uh, you know, who we are, what we do, and, and you mentioned the area director thing, Lisa. I, I do think that was probably one of the most important parts of that was that we did have people who were were designated to go to a, a lot of states, and um, it, hopefully, we can can find ways to make sure that we're doing that to to keep people informed on what we're doing because that is really important and you know with that we kind of get to that next question and about what's important what's the most important thing we do and we do we do a lot of programs and we keep trying to do more and more programs you've already both talked about uh the, the lobbying effort that we do and i'm just curious what you both think about what what is the most important thing we do in your from your perspective so um, henry how about you start with that Sure, and, and uh, catching up on what we were talking about before break about the uh, area directors and uh, and state conventions, uh, I can I can tell you from experience at our October Texas convention uh, this year, I was asked to share our NSPS booth with the Young Surveyors Network, and I tell you what, those guys showed up and took over, and it was fantastic to see how many uh, participants they had. So we had a booth set up in our exhibit hall. They had a computer there where they could register new young surveyor members. And I want to say that over the day-and-a-half exhibit period, they signed up over 30 new Texas young surveyors on their network. So uh, so that part uh, of, of the uh, contact, I guess if you want to call it that, with members was tremendous. Uh, as, as you know, with our area director positions, we would do that. Uh, in my case, I did it for, for 
uh, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, where I would go every year to, the, to their state conventions and uh, man a booth for NSPS. So this uh, Young Surveyor Network is definitely up and coming, and I think it's going to be a, a great path for us to communicate uh, better with with both the young surveyors who are already registered professionals and and beyond that where they can reach probably some young surveyors that are working toward uh, licensure. Lisa? Oh, absolutely. Um, young surveyors, I know that this, <clears throat> at our last meeting in uh, Chandler, Arizona, I attended part of their meeting and gave them an update on what my committee was doing, and they had, they had contacted all the committee chairs and invited us to attend their meeting and come and give a report, which I thought was fantastic. So they were making a reach out to us. We went. I went and did discuss it with them, sat in the, on their meeting for a little while, and some of the stuff that they're doing and the tools that they have is just amazing of what they, what those young, you know, energetic individuals have going for them. It's really something. So um, I think that's one of the primary responsibilities for us in the future is to get the young surveyors involved and more people and in, more people involved just to know what we're doing. So yeah, I would are, agree. I, go ahead, Henry. Were you going to say something? No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I had uh, Anna and Stuart both on the show from Texas at different times here recently. Uh, both both are part of the Young Surveyors Network, and we've had other folks from that group. And I'm I'm always just so impressed with their enthusiasm and um, and actually just their dedication. That that's I think maybe that's probably impressed me more than anything else. Is you know this just wasn't a flash in the pan kind of thing for them. It they are really dedicated to it. And yeah, and I think I think Kurt, it, I think Kurt, it gives us a um, us meaning Lisa and I and those of us who have been around in the surveying profession for a, a longer period. It gives us a new path. I think now, with that organization in place, we should probably look at, 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 at instead of being more uh, the role of recruiter, we need to look to be more the role of mentor. So let them do the recruiting and let them build their their organization, and we just need to be there for those young surveyors as mentors as they grow in their profession, as they become leaders in the state and national society, uh, for those who are working toward licensure to become mentors to those uh, young paraprofessionals and keep them on the on the correct path toward becoming a professional surveyor. I think it was real refreshing at the last meeting when they went out. To, uh, a couple of them joined us, a group of us, out for dinner. And afterwards, there were I got an email when we got back home and said, "Boy, it's really refreshing to know that actually we're all talking about the same thing. We have a little different out, you know, ideas on different things, but we all still have the same interests." And it was real refreshing to them to know that we're the same type of people that they are. We just maybe have a few more gray hairs than what they do. So it was it was a lot of fun to really interact with them and be involved with them. Yeah, I agree. I, actually, when Stuart uh, Warnock was on the show with me last week, we were talking about that. And as a, as a society, we've, I think, been concerned about, you know, what's our next generation going to look like. And then when we got these folks involved, all of a sudden my spirits were were heightened considerably because I was I was afraid the younger generation might not 
want to congregate the way you know we always have and and maybe we don't do it mechanically the same way but they certainly have that interest in, in doing that that's for sure yeah and i would encourage any state you know like we encourage the young surveyors at the meetings too instead of sitting and talking to each other you know get out there and meet the other people sit at a different table at a lunch hour and get to meet other different people when you're in, and interact in a different way with people and we're as much to blame on that surveyors were as a whole, we're generally people that like to do our own thing. We're there, and we want to just do our thing, keep our head down, work, get out in the woods, do our, and do our job. And we are not the most social group in the world. And I encourage everybody to take that little bit of time to socialize with those younger ones when you see them at the meeting, you know, and you know, involve them in all the different activities that you're doing. Agreed. Uh, one of the things that comes up, and we've got maybe five minutes left, but. Uh, is the whole thing about programs and certifications and those kind of things. And I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. Do we need to expand more of that? Do we need to look at more, I don't know, specialization is not the right word, but, but qualification, if you will, on doing certain things. And of course, we have CST and we have some of the things, but do you all have thoughts on that, or do we need more of that kind of thing? Is that something that's beneficial to our members? Well, I think it's you know, beneficial. I can... oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. I think it's a very beneficial thing. I think a lot of people mistake what they're for and think that you need to have that in order to do certain things. And really all it is is a, a stamp of a, to say that you have met these certain qualifications. And I think they're good programs to say, well, yeah, I know that I'm hiring a surveyor who's used to doing this type of work because, let's face it, not all of us do hydrographic work or do you know different types of um, land surveying. So it's nice to have those little things to say, yeah, I've, I've proven my ability to do these types of work. So I think they're excellent programs to have. And I think an important thing that we need to uh, respond to as a national organization is as these possible programs or certification uh, specialties uh, uh, become available, we need to communicate with our states because uh, I think some of the states are on the on the same path, and I need I think we need as a national organization to find a balance between what we do nationally and what the states are doing individually along these same lines. So I guess my point is we don't want to create a national certification that's uh, uh, say a route surveyor. Uh, when each state has a similar certification as a route surveyor. So we need to work to, to figure out, is this, a, is this a type of certification that's better served state by state, or do we need to work with the states if it, if it could be a certification that could be a national certification? Yeah, and I think that different things, like you were saying, will kind of play themselves out. You know, because there are certain things. One of the things I'm, I'm thinking of right off the top of my head is this thing we've looked at in the past and now looking at again is this whole federal uh, floodplain surveyor thing um, because that's really targeted toward meeting FEMA criteria, which is more of a national thing. So that that might be the kind of thing that we would do. And then, as you said, maybe there are other things that, that the states could do as well or better uh, for their particular purposes. Well, we've got... Uh, Two and a half minutes, so to speak. So, any closing statements you'd like to make? 
Um, well, I'd like to see one of the things for the, when we were talking about the primary responsibility of the NSPS is to be a good clearinghouse for information and ideas. Uh, I don't think that, I, I think one of the things that we neglect on a little bit now is to get out and share those ideas with different people. We do a little bit of that, you know, in a, in our Great Lakes meetings or in our area meetings, but we really don't get out there and share them with everybody. So I'd like to see a little better communication on the different things that the states are doing back up to NSPS and our directors working a little, you know, being a little bit more involved with getting out and letting the states know just what it is NSPS is doing for them. Right. Henry? Yeah, I think, uh, as Lisa mentioned earlier, we need to continue to be strong uh, where we know we're good. So public relations, governmental affairs, uh, you know, the CST program, we need to, we need to keep to uh, building that program and enforcing it. Uh, Trigstar, you know, Trigstar has, in some states, I know Texas being one of them, has kind of wavered a little bit. We've, we've uh, I think, brought it back to the, to the forefront here in Texas uh, this last year, uh, but I think it, you know, that so many debates have gone on about Trigstar. Is it really a beneficial program? Do we really produce surveyors out of this program? Well, the answer is probably not, but it's a way to contact the public. It's a way to be visible to the public and to young people, and so I think it's a good tool, uh, uh, among other things, to keep us in the forefront uh, when it comes to, you know, our, our uh, position with the public. For sure. Well, I appreciate you both being with me today. It's been a great show, great for everybody to hear your thoughts, and I'll be sure, obviously we put this out on the News and Views so everybody can go back and listen to the show if they like, and a lot of people do do listen by download. So, again, thank you both so much for, for joining me today, and uh, I'm certain that our listeners have got a better perspective on, on our candidates. Thank you for Thank having you. Us. Thanks. Take care. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.